would I put it? <laughs> um, is it old school? I don't, you know, I just, there's just kind of like the way she approaches things is that it's like either she doesn't want to be bothered and that, and it's great because then she lets me go off and do whatever I want to do kind of thing. Um, or either she know. micromanages you. I mean, and, and about dumb, excuse me. You know, no, no, like, it's okay to curse. <laughs> you know, I'm like the, the dumbest shit. I'm like, like, like of all the things that like, you're going to needle me about this little thing over here. And there's this other thing going on over there. And, um, and so it's, it's just, it's just, it's just silly. And it's like, you know, she's, she's, she, she's, um, she's a real hands-on and she's a founder, right? So like, like a lot of founders, right? She's very hands-on on certain pieces and certainly running the business. And so she's too, she's like too tired. Like she's too whatever to waste time, you know, talking about ideas and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it just, yeah. So, but so, 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 so internally I, I, I have less experience these days with what I like, but again, I have these colleagues, bright, sharp. Um, um, it's, it's like, you know, I'm kind of like the, I, I'm, I, I'm actually quite the introvert, believe it or not. I mean, it's like, you know, in, in Myers-Briggs, I'm like, my eye is off the chart. But, you know, in this group, I work with all these like evaluator types, you know, these kind of data wonks and da, 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 And it's like, and they're so sharp, they're so bright, they're so detail-oriented. And so we, we, we hash things out from like a concept, vision, you know, uh, timelines, work plans, and we work together really well. And then we then we do our thing and then we yeah. come back together and we check in. And when we, if there's any news, you know, we're really great about email. And I'm like, this is the way I like to work. I like to work with smart people. Um, but that, that where there's that balance of like, you know, hive mind, do your thing, come back. And then when it comes to delegation of things, it's like, you know, we, you know, at this point we kind of know each other well enough. Like, Hey, so-and-so would you da, 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 da. Sure. Of course. You know, and I, I can you know, pitch into it and it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. And it's just, you know, and we're, um, you know, that we're non-competitive, um, and to, to, to kind of give you that, that particular project, we're all, um, like basically think of us kind of like, we're all project managers, um, with, um, our own, uh, populations. Like I'm, I'm, um, the one over the African-American, um, population, you know, in this, in this, in this particular, this large project. Yep. And, um, and so each one of the groups of so the, the, the Asian, the, the uh, Latinx, the LGBTQ, the Native Americans, we all come together in our teams and it's beautiful. It's just beautiful, you know, and, and, and we, and we're just, you know, we're, 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 we're sharp. We're like, you know, we, we understand the project better than probably any other, um, you know, uh, component, any other, you know, factor like that, just in terms, and holding things together and being able to make suggestions is a beautiful workflow. So, um, I don't know, that's, I think that kind of, yeah, that, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> no, no, I hear you. Uh, a couple of things that I think stick out to me is number one. And, um, something that I think to lock in on is the, mo- the, the moments of how you like to experience autonomy versus micromanagement is something mm-hmm. you, you may want to kind of look back over your notes. <clears throat> and when you'll we... see it comes up a lot. I'm like, am I going to be okay? Cause I'm like, I'm like, I'm so free. Yeah. I, I'm like, how am I going to do like, from what you're describing these, in these situations? I'm like, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think I've ever, you know, it's my micro, I got my, 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 I, I, you'll see, well, we'll, if we keep going, you'll see, Again, I, I, I refer to like I've had two Devil Wears Prada situations, mm. and I'm like, oh hell no, never again. Yeah, yeah. 
And so for me, I think, and, and you will see this as a trend as we go through the rest of the categories, but I think in this particular category, the thing that stuck out to me is it'll be important for you during the interview and right now to understand what areas of your workflow and the work that you're trying to get done, you're really big on having autonomy around. And then what are some areas where you're okay with them micromanaging, but maybe potentially tweaking how they micromanage you and how they go about um, the communication around that micromanaging seems to be something that is important. So so it doesn't come across uh, as, as a pet peeve of yours. It can just come across as something they're trying to present or something they're trying to communicate. Um, and then, and then even, and I know we have meetings down here as well, but you know, meetings can kind of cross into a workflow because at times you kind of have meetings and powwows to kind of get yourself prepped for work. That was another one that kind of stuck out as I'm looking over this as well. So as let me ask you about this, because, you know, here's the thing about like the, and, and it may not be a workflow issue. It may be under this kind of like wherever support is like, sometimes what I've been really annoyed by is like, you know, when, when there's this sense of, you know, um, the micromanagement or the demand or whatever. And it's like, but again, not having the support staff and, 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 it's, and it's not just support staff, like as an admin, it's like, you know, it's like, when I say we have just where I'm currently like one admin person, that's like, there's no tech person. We, we have a, we have one brother who really, to his credit, I'm like, amazingly, like when COVID hit, Mm. He just, I mean, he, he's a nerd, as it turns out. Who knew? And he kind of stepped into that kind of Zoom facilitator role. I don't know what we would do without him. Yep. But we don't have anybody who's like, you know, like, oh, here, you know, we've got these different tech platforms. You know, like, um, I don't know if you've heard of Zoho. Uh, I haven't. Yeah, so Zoho was like, and it's like, it's just been a hot mess. And so, so it's like, so, okay, so you're making these demands, but you don't provide the staffing support you know, to be able to respond to these in a way that's really, you know, that's um, productive and, you know, there should be, so I don't know, I don't know where that will end up being. Um, It's like, it's not that I resist accountability. It's just that sometimes I find that managers, you know, they can just be like, you know, like, hello, like, like, you're like, woohoo, woohoo. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would cross into a workflow to a certain degree, because again, when you're trying to get into the work, aka your workflow, when you're going through a process of how you're getting something executed, a meeting may pop up where there's support staff that's needed. There's someone that's needed to keep things organized or, or push through a certain communication flow or channel. And if you don't have that, it can make your experience more difficult. So um, yeah, all of these things, again, are important to highlight and remember and lock in on as you try to determine is this going to be a complete non-negotiable? And just to define that one more time, um, as you go through these today and as you go through these once we're ending ending this call um, later on, a non-negotiable can be if I don't experience this the way that I personally want to experience this, then I know for a fact I'm going to start to become irritated. I'm going to check out. I'm um I'm going to be emotionally and and professionally disengaged. Well, and- to get, well, to get, go back to the Zoho example, and it could be anything. I'm trying to think what would be. It's like um you know so so this is a peeve. I don't, but it's not anywhere in the, in the answers. So you know um 
back whenever it feels like a million years ago, the recommendation was Salesforce. Yeah. Right. Right. And, um, and our boss decided, you know, it, it's, it's, it's out of the question. It's, it's it, even whatever the Salesforce for, for nonprofits, it's, it's, it's too expensive for us. So, um, we went through another a platform called Podio that was supposed to be free. Um, and I, I won't even go into all the nonsense. And so then we went from Podio to Zoho and, and, and because, you know, that one has, from the beginning, it was known it was more expensive. Um, you know, um, there was some investment in terms of, again, she ended up investing with a consultant. It's, but it's still a dysfunctional hot mess. And so there'll be times where she gets really triggered you know, because, um, you know, something's not in Zoho and it's, it's affecting her ability to track and monitor. And, you know, and it's like, you know, look, <laughs> I say, there should there should be a dedicated staff person. Like, first of all, we should have gone with Salesforce, but it was too it was too expensive. And we probably spent three times as much money, um, certainly in terms of lost productivity. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so, so I don't know where that falls. If that's a workflow, if that's a, it's a, it's a combination of a workflow and, and then another category that we'll come across, come across in a second. And then you get on my case because something's not, but Zoho is like, it's like, it is like, what the hell is going on in there? It's like, a, it's, like it's just, it's, it's a mess. And yep. then you're going to come down on me because I didn't, you know, process something through there. I, I, I sent it, I, I, I was an email communication with the consultant instead of through Zoho and the Zoho thing isn't working. And it's like, it's that kind of thing. Like, you're kidding me, right? Yeah. And there's no, and there's no internal support. So that's, so yeah. Anyway, you get the idea. No, I get the idea. No, that that's helpful context here for this one. Um, All right. So walk me through the manager communication style. And again, we kind of locked in on a couple during the workflow that were clear pet peeves. You know, we locked in on, you know, what a non-negotiable means, um, and what and what potentially a mini non-negotiable can be. Mm-hmm. Um, walk me through your manager communicate communication style that uh, from mm-hmm. your supervisor. Right. So yeah. So yeah. So I've 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 had you know. So I was I was at a uh, an alternative college. Um, uh, so again, I've, it, my, my career is uh, if there's any unifying theme, it's either I've either had um, bosses, managers who were founder types, mm-hmm. which has been most of, or when I was in higher education, um, I was in a, in this alternative college with a you know, little more, you know, freedom. And I had the, while uh, of the 12 years I was there, I had a mentor, um, Mike Ford for probably like six years um, of it. Yeah. Then I had a couple of those who were just, you know, inconsequential. Yep. Um, um, and, um, and so, um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of freedom. I mean, or enjoyed, you know, with, with air quotes. Um, and so, um, you know, and I can just tell you, I, you know, I, I you know, for whatever, whatever cost around growth and, you know, and promotion and whatever I have, the trade-off that I have settled for, cause I just, I don't like to be micromanaged. I don't like to be, um, you know, nitpicked, um, you know, and, um, you know, and I, 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 and really, and I really can't take it with people who are like, not bright. I like, I like bright people. I like bright, talented, you know, people. 
and um, I can put up with a little more from a bright, talented person than I can from a, as I call them, a paint by number uh, petty bureaucrat mm-hmm. type. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, that, like oh, oh, it's like that. You, you, you better not tell me nothing. I want to highlight on this really quickly. I'm sorry. Um, it says she expects people to read her mind. I think what you mean by that, as we think about communication style, I think what you're looking for, and there is another piece of communication style that blends into internal comms. I think what you mean by this is you're probably looking for your next leader to proactively unpack her thoughts the second that she has them as it pertains to you know, workflows as it pertains to the focus of the team, as it pertains to like agendas and what's on her mind, as it pertains to your work and not expect you to just proactively know what she's thinking and then have there be an, a misalignment of, of expectations. Is that correct? I would just make one correction. It doesn't even have to be on the spot. It just might be so, so like the, the, like the, the most like upsetting thing of this in the last few months is how she um, announced 60% to me. You know, I had just, I think I mentioned it again, like one of my projects being um, like bringing together, you know, um, agency leaders and, and the community around uh, criminal justice and mental health. Um, you know, and I, and I, I produced, uh, the, an event in the, in the fall. I had colleagues who said it's like the best thing on track. That's my company. It's done really the most important thing. It was, it was a great day. You know, it's like, and, and, and we've gotten this, a new grant based on it. And it's, I'm really excited about it. Anyway, but the day after, the day after this event, to me, like out of the blue, I'm like, there was no like great job, Lil, you know, like this, none of that. She's like, um, she's like either come back into the office full time. Or I need to reduce you down to sixty percent, and 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 it turns out she's like I really because I, I moved away from Sacramento, right? She's like I was hoping you that you weren't going to move away, um, but I'm looking at it's time for me to start thinking about retiring, and I had been thinking of you in terms of succession planning, and so I need, and it's just like <laughs> just like, yeah, and, you know, me and my my goodness, there's another project manager, and it's like when I went to him, like so so. So has she been talking about it? She hadn't talked to him either about like succession planning. Like, I mean, you could kind of assume it, but we had not had one conversation with even one hint that that's what she's thinking about, like retiring in the next year or so, and that somehow Will and I are going to take it over. And she's telling me this and either giving me an ultimatum of coming into the office, like commuting 75 miles um, at least three days a week or I'm being reduced to 60%. That's what I mean. And it's like, and it's like, I don't know how long she'd been thinking those thoughts. And she, she didn't have to tell me as soon as she's thinking about it. But you, you don't, I mean, you don't give me an ultimatum like that, you know, and that kind of thing. Like put a gun to my head, you know, a financial, like, you know, be reduced, reduced by 60%. And it's like, and, and, oh, by the way, I've been thinking about you taking over. How about, how about having a conversation? Like, what if I didn't want to help? What if I didn't want to take over? Shouldn't, shouldn't that be something? Shouldn't we be talking about that? A hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? So whatever that, so, so that to me is like, I, I think that's pretty reasonable. I don't, I don't expect her to tell me your moment by moment, but when you're thinking those kind of big, long thoughts, there yep. should be some communication going on. A hundred percent. And that's why this section in their, in their, in internal comms kind of blends well with each other. Um, let's get in, let's get into career mapping here. This one is not that long. You know, you're, you're getting closer to retirement. So so walk me through 
um, any thoughts you do have on career mapping? Yeah, like you said, I did, I did a horrible job. No, no, no. Well, well, with this, well, no, with this, with this one, with this one, you know, if I mean, give me your context, but if you are getting closer to closer to retirement, this career mapping variable may not be that important. It's frankly important for folks that feel like they need to be doing certain types of tasks and projects so that they can get themselves in a position to get promotions down the road and strategically connecting the dots now. Um, oh, and if, I, if I could find the next thing, if I could find the next thing or the next two things, right, you know, that would take me on out, um, you know, and and it, it was, and it, and it had the, the right stuff, baby. That's, I'm, I'm just looking for, you know, I'm gonna, if I could find like a, five year and five year or two year and a seven year or something like that. It just, I'm imagining unless I win the lottery, you know, it's like, you know, I can, based on my retirement planning, I'm, I'm only working till I'm 70, okay. you know? And so, you know, and that, um, you know, that, 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 that I, but, but I want to do it in a way like, you know, like that devil's wear Prada thing, yep. you know, like the energy that that took physically, you, did you see the movie, the devil's wear Prada, the devil wears Prada? I did years ago. Yep. Right. I mean, that would, for for those of us who were working, uh, that, that I was working for a millionaire, you're too young. Do you remember that um, that um, show um, Dallas? Dallas. What was it about? It was about Dallas. It was it was based on this uh, this oil family down in Dallas. Okay. Jr. Whatever it was, it was like it was a big deal before you were born, right? And so I worked for a woman whose father inspired that character. He was, at one point, he was the richest man in the world. He was the Bill Gates of his time. And he was uh, he was like a Dallas. Whatever. And so when I say Devil Wears Prada, like for real, for real, we, we, I was working there when it happened, um, when that movie came out. And, um, and it was, I mean, it, it's a kind of a psychological, emotional, physical exhaustion. I mean, a, a constant jump how high, you know, just, I mean, just, you know, the, the, one of the terms she liked that she liked and constantly, you know, like she liked people to be working like their hair was on fire, you know, and, um, and here's all I know is I don't have any of that in me. Like I did when I was young, like yep. whatever, what, I don't have any of that. So in terms of a career mapping, it has to be someplace where, again, it's like, uh, you know, um, I, I get to be me. Um, and, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we, we find value in each other's services and, um, you know, and, and I don't have to jump how high and, uh, and put up with a lot of bullshit and, 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 uh, you know, kiss anybody's butt, you know, and, and some kind of, Oh, I'll do anything for you kind of thing. That's, 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 and that's, 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 about it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll like say to that. Yeah. No. And, and, and the career mapping part, again, what I'm hearing is, like you said, the next, you know, 10 years, you know, two and, you know, three, three and seven, five and five. Um, it seems like for this particular section, you're going to just lock in on getting through something over the next 10 years. So this one doesn't seem to be as big of a variable for you at this moment. Um, I think the only thing that I would highlight here is trying to determine if taking on more of a leadership role. Um, right splitting up that five like if you get into something that maybe isn't a leadership role is it a requirement for you and a desire for the next five years to be at that leadership role for many reasons it could be kind of like your 100k reason like hey i just always wanted to be in this position it could be 
you're just, you know, you just want to kind of have your last five years be more of in a supervisor, strategic base, not individual contributor base. So think about that. Um, your skill development, unless there's something massive here you want to talk about, I'm going to move on because the no, skill. No, just, 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 just the whole IT thing. I feel like, again, because I've been where yeah. I've been for 10 years, I just feel like, you know, that, yeah. that would be something like, like is, there, is there support and infrastructure to make sure that I'm successful, on, you know, when it comes to whatever the technology yeah. standard is? Yeah, and, and that I would probably, if you want to take a little note, I would say the skill development is going to be a little bit of a mixture of, your non-negotiable isn't probably going to be, hey, I want to learn a skill. It's going to be, I'm hoping, not I'm hoping, my non-negotiable is they already have the staff in place to support me around a skill that I probably should develop or could develop, but I want to make sure they have the team and the infrastructure in place to to make up for that lack of a skill that I have. Um, so yeah, I like that. there you go. that'll be important. Walk me through some of the internal communication needs. And this is also connected to the uh, manager communication. So we already touched on this briefly, but is there anything else in the the internal communication that we want to highlight? Yeah, it's kind of, again, like this is one of the ones with with the workflow. Are you seeing, Um, are you seeing also, like I mentioned, you see how they're starting to speak to each other? Yes. Remember how I told you like each one would start to speak to each other and there would start to be themes that you yeah. start patterns you start to recognize yes yeah yes yeah yeah and um and so that um what would i want to say in terms of like again like like in terms of like getting at the non-negotiable it said that um you know i think this as I, as I sit here looking at it um you know on the shared screen i would say that this is probably the area where uh when there's toxicity yeah you, know, like, you saw uh, me highlighting that yeah right that this this is you know that this is usually part of the root cause mm-hmm. and um and so you know i guess you know like getting at like what is the culture like what are the you know what are the structural um components of a healthy um you know um uh, uh work culture yeah. you know and and communications you know that that sweet spot because again when when there's not healthy and there's there's more more than one way to do it and again and, and i and i know i have colleagues again who have you know they use the, the technology there are different kinds of internal boards and stuff and things that people use other than email or, I'm, I'm open to any of those things um again i haven't again i have some you know, again, I, it's, I have some weak spots, but if, if technology is the way to do it, just as long as it's just as long as it happens, yeah. I find that when things when when there's not good internal communication and folks are um, uh, mistrustful and you know backstabbing, it's it's usually because of this kind of stuff. Yep, exactly. So this may be again one of those moments where you have a micro non-negotiable within the within the macro. So how would you bring it up? I was like, so you know, do you all have a toxic workforce? What's going? On? I'm like, how would you how do you ask people? Well, let's talk about it, right? So when you look at you know um, when you look at the lack of transparency about decisions or uh, proclamations or email, what are your what what areas in here? Like, what's a realistic example that you've experienced that made you write this? And I'll give you the question you could ask. Do you have any real time examples that kind of made you write well, this? 
um, kind of like the one I the one I uh, mentioned earlier. I mean, the fact, you know, again around the around the sixty percent and you know, how it all happened in succession planning. It's like, huh? you know, and um, but I would say in previous um, uh, uh, job situations, right, where um, uh, I'll go back to the, um, the 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 foundation, you know, where I work for the millionaires. It's like there was an atmosphere of such fear. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, you know, there was information that was, um, you know, uh, 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 there were folks who felt like, you know, Helen hated them and all that. And and that, um, uh, you know, so there was there was a withholding, you know, there was a withholding, you know, there would be um, something in the way of a reprimand, but there was but it never you know, it, it, it never came back around in a clear way. It felt like information went into void. This I mentioned, I can't remember which answer there was, but I mentioned that, that, that I had one job where, I mean, a, a tedious weekly progress report mm. was required. It's one of the dumbest things. And and so it would go, you, you'd submit it, but there was never any feedback. Yeah. Never any, you know, so it was like, always felt kind of felt like you were always kind of like am i am, am i doing okay am i doing okay but you never got anything back and it's just yeah like, so so, yeah. so yeah so in that example a question you could ask in the interview and we'll and we'll remember i told you we'll get into this section uh once we get into the next session because we'll actually break down certain questions that you can ask connected to your non-negotiables but in theory an example could be something of the nature of in the interview you could say um kind of walk me through how often an example is of when you give feedback to your direct reports based off of things are doing well or things are not doing well and, and, and walk me through kind of the systems and the structures that you hold yourself accountable to and then just wait and you see how tangible and how nuanced of a question that is you can't bullshit that answer and that's and that's the key the key the key of this whole exercise is I'm going to help you ask questions that are so nuanced and so crafted to 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 essentially protect your non-negotiable, just like companies ask you. You know how long companies prep and craft their interview questions before they ask them? Because what they do is they're they're crafting them so that the applicant can't wiggle their way out of it, right? And and every. Human beings are human beings. We know when someone's bullshitting or not. Mm-hmm. Just like an organization knows when you're BSing an answer. And so if you were to craft your question to get deep into, give me examples of when you give feedback, uh, how often you hold yourself accountable to that feedback, what systems and structures and measures do you have in place that your direct reports know when they're going to be receiving feedback around positive or negative things that they're doing, you're asking for examples, you're asking for systems, you're asking for infrastructure, you're asking for how you hold yourself accountable as a supervisor to give that feedback. They really can't make anything up in that moment unless they're just an incredibly witty person and there's not too many of them out here. <laughs> People are not too witty. You're going to see the, you know, if they're Caucasian or or potentially even Spanish, you're going to see their face or or light skin or light or or light skin, you're going to see their face start to get a little red. If they're, <laughs> you know, you're going to see their body language start to change. Uh, 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 we, you know, 
applicants, we as employees need to start paying attention and holding organizations accountable. It's like, yeah, I can tell you just BS that. So I'm going to go ahead and assume you're lying right now. Just like, <laughs> and this is what happens all the time. Just like organizations do the same thing for us. They do that all the time in interviews. And that's why when I, when I approached Ali and, and, and a couple of my other partners with this Beyond Resume business, with this opportunity, the reason why I think they were excited about working with me is you're talking to someone that has hired hundreds of people, that has been an employee before, that has been an HR and like head of people type person inside of a company before. So I know each one. I've either interviewed, been interviewed, helped applicants get ready, helped helped hiring managers get ready for interviews. I've been on all, I've been the CEO, I've been the HR person, I've been on every single side of this. So I know how each person is trying to protect themselves. And that's why when I crafted this, I said, look, I know all the secrets. Let me help the 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 applicants. Let me give them a secret to what's really happening behind the scenes yeah. when they're heading into the interview. Um, so, so hopefully that that was an example of how you could craft that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, walk me through your contextual learning and development style and the projects and tasks that you must work on. Do you have any? Do you, oh, there were oh, no thoughts on this one. It doesn't look like I. No, no, no. It. Let's you know. That's okay if you skipped it or didn't have any thoughts initially. No, it wasn't a question of thought. I'm, I'm, you know, because I may have lost my place. So let's, if we can come, well, I mean, let me look at. Um, I can. What I can do is we can skip this one a day, and and I'll let yeah. you in our next Perfect. session. We can go over this one. Perfect. Um. Because I think it, if I'm looking at it, it's like it may it may kind of blend with some other things. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. But I, I think I skipped that. No worries. By accident, it wasn't intended. No worries. Um, so walk me through some of the real life support variables and needs that you think you would be, uh, just, well, be I mean, just and again, the, 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 the background and context is I just got through being a good daughter. So I've done that and I don't have kids, you know, so, but, um, but I do like to have flexibility, you know, it's like, um, you know, again, I'm in a new relationship and we tend to, you know, we holler at each other at lunch. Um, you know, I've got, um, I've got this little poodle here that you know, my stepdad died a year ago and I got his little dog and. You know, it's like, um, you know, and he's been and part of my one work remote is I don't want to have to leave him. He's been he's been at my side, you know, um, mm-hmm. since, uh, you know, and um, and and if I could take him into office, I mean, OK, if, 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 if it turns out being an office, and if, you know, if I end up finding an organization that's a Wichita based and they bring this little dog, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not opposed to going into the office. But part of the reason I want to work remote is I don't want to abandon him. And, um, you know, and so. um yeah, I mean, I just, it, it's, uh, you know, that for me, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm less concerned with like, I, I've never clocked in. I've never clocked in and I've never, you know, on any way, shape or form been so rigidly nine to five, yeah. you know, that, right. It's like, I just, I just can't live like that. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, you know, like to me, it's like, I like to be results oriented. And if it means, you know, I know what needs to be done. And if, it, and if I need to get something in, you know, uh, at, at 8 a.m. Uh, on someone's desk in the morning, it'll get done. Yep. It's like, I might do it at three o'clock in the morning. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I've had, um, I didn't put it down here, but like, again, uh, for years I struggled with insomnia. Um, so sometimes, you know, I needed to handle my, you know, sleep situation a little, a little uh, eccentrically, um, 
you know, in order to be resting. So sometimes getting up at three o'clock in the morning is the, is, is the most productive time. What difference does it make if it's a report? Yeah. If it's a whatever, it's like, what do you care? You know, it's like, you know, it's like, I got it to you and I got you what you need. And it's like, and you're like, you know, check, done. I mean, okay. So that's, so for me, that's kind of, you know, um, without having to say I have kids or, you know, it's like, it's like, I just, I just like to have that kind of um, project-based accountability. No. And that's 100%. So everything here, this is going to be one of the easiest ones. And these, and, and there's, there are certain things that you just mentioned, as well as the relationship with your fiance, the lunches. Um, um, it seems like some of the flexibility with, with obviously with the remote things and based off of like, these are all real life variables that you can easily work with me to craft questions to understand what the remote culture is like to make sure their remote policies will work well with your current situation. So this is actually going to be one of the easiest ones to, to lock in on. Um, walk me through your expectations of your supervisor. Um, if you have any thoughts that you want to expand. Yeah, this is, this. again, this is, this is tricky, right? So, so uh, only because of what I've already shared with you, like, you know, I've had, um, you know, the, see, I guess some of it is like, like I don't know what I'm missing. Like, you can ask, like, there's a part of me that's like, if I were to say, Lillian, if you had had more structured experience with more structured hierarchical supervision, maybe you would have grown more. Maybe you would have, maybe you would have been more of a leader. Maybe you would be making more money. Maybe if you hadn't been so drawn to situations that allowed you to be independent. So I don't even know what I'm missing, you know, in well, terms of the positive. Well, well, think about it from this angle then. Think about it from not necessarily what you're missing. Um, think about what what examples either did not go well or, like you said, did go well. That will be non-negotiables moving forward. See, I think what a lot of clients get mis, you know, get confused is this doesn't have to be a non-negotiable from a from a negative perspective of things that you experience. There may have been positive things that you experience. That you want to make sure you get again in your next organization. Um, and then you also kind of have recognition here. Walk me through that. But so before we even actually before we go into that, just remember that for this category and every other category, there may have been things that were amazing at your previous company that you're like, you know what? I liked how that felt and I like how that I experienced that. So much to the point where I'm requiring this to be a part of the DNA of my next job. So could you scroll up, scroll down so I can see the header um, for this one, what, yep. what this section is called? Yeah. Okay, so um, direct report. So again, I, this may not be the right way to frame direct report, but it's like the things that I have done in my career that I'm most proud of, it has been when it's like, okay, we've got something that's ambitious or whatever, Lillian, you know, Lillian's going to be in charge of it. And, um, you know, and, and again, there's been freedom and autonomy, right, to be able to do it. And, um, and it's, it's ideal when, you know, I feel like, you know, I have the approving, you know, uh, support of, a, of, a, of someone in the background. But even, but, you know, one of my, one of my ones I'm most proud of is even at Devil's Wear Prada, Devil Wears Prada. You mm. know, it's like a, you know, I am. Um, you know, I, I wore so many hats. It was ridiculous. I'm, like, I'm, t- I'm telling you, that movie was like, it was eerie. 
you know, I had so many hats. I was the, I was the director of the grants program. I was the, this, I was, I was the, the communications, you know, the newsletter person. I was the, you know, the relations with the, um, the, 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 um, the I was over this new initiative called faith and feminism, you know, that had been the baby of the founder. Um, and even with all that crazy tension, I said, but I did, I pulled it off and, yep. uh, and brought this, vision that was that was just kind of like in her head because she's so bad with people and i was able to pull together i mean luminaries you know in the women's rights movement um and and women uh leaders and and uh of 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 religions in new york city i mean we had our office you know you know you know, uh, Fifth Avenue, the 79 Fifth Avenue over the foundation. I mean, that milieu, and even with that pressure, even with that craziness with the boss, it's like, hey, let me, they basically just take, like, they threw it at me like a, like a football. And it's like, and it, and I, and I love it. You know, I mean, I, I love it. So, you know, it's, it, you know, is, is that a direct report thing? You know, it, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it that, but, it's, but there's something about, you know, being entrusted. Yeah, with something, and especially if it's if it's ambitious, and um, you know, it, and again, it's like I would love to um, imagine that, like you know, like maybe in the last part, like you know, if I if I had a direct um, report, like a like a, a, a man, like listen, Lillian, you know, you're really good at this thing. There's this part that I'm just going to kind of be like you know mentoring you on, um, you know, to help take your skills that turn up the level so that you can produce even better. I would love that. I've just never had it, you know? And so we, things like, again, so recognition, I'm like, you know, like I told you, like, again, like just what I just went through, it's like the day after I pulled this thing off, that's when my boss like, okay, either come back in the office and do, and, and, and her justification for me to come into the office was just something that didn't even make sense to me. It's like to supervise a program I have nothing to do with. It's like, it's like, instead of like, great job, Lillian. Yep. <laughs> you put us on a map. You did something for us. No one else could have done for us. Yep. Certainly not in terms of the staff. It's like, and here's a promotion or here's a bonus. I'm, I've never been in that situation. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing, like in, with uh, with the Devil Wears Prada, when things got so crazy, and I was basically like, look, you know, you 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 have pulled your last stunt with me. You know, it's like I was I was uh, leading a, a a workshop, and and I wasn't in the office. I was in the conference room down the hall, and. That, that 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 devil was probably she was a, she was a control freak and she badmouthed me mm-hmm. to my to folks I supported and that supervised in the office while I was down the hall and they were like when I came back they were like like oh my god Helen is so angry and and they told me what happened I was like I basically said to her then it's like don't you ever and no, and no one ever talked to this woman like this I mean this is a multimillionaire so that I said don't you ever I said that now I will I will tender my resignation right now. But yeah. you again, how dare you undermine, you know, my relationship with the folks I supervise and talk about me. You knew what I was going to be doing. I think that this was not something I didn't, you, you, I, you had full disclosure that I was going to be, I was going to be leading that training. And it's like, and so you can, you know, again, it's like, and, and, and so whatever, whatever my ultimatum was. And, 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 and if you want to call this recognition, it's like, you know, with, with HR in place, Lillian, either you can resign or you can be acting executive director. Exactly. You know, and, da, 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 and, and you'll get a ten thousand dollar bonus. Is that recognition? I don't know. I mean, it didn't feel like. It's not no, it's not. It's not. And and I think with this particular section, as well as the rest of them, I think I just want to highlight again.
the positives that you have experienced in these sections that you know for a fact you want to see again. And then just coming up in a, just honestly get, you know, coming up with your own imaginations of, you know what, maybe I haven't experienced this before, but I know I don't like what I don't, I know I don't like this. Like maybe I can't really pinpoint. Well, let me ask you, like, 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 what does healthy mentoring, you know, reward? I mean, you know, is it out there? Do people do that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the expectations of your supervisor that you have and, and those that lead you or even those that you lead, I mean, there's many things, you know, there's many recognition and reward programs. There's many, you know, in this particular category, you know, there's there's clear expectations you can set around um, how often you meet with them, how, how soon they give you um, information that can really dictate how easily you're able to do your job like you know maybe you don't you don't want to get something last minute and then their expectations of you are at a but high one of the best case in there like what what would that question look like like what you know like what but you know, walk me walk me through you know the ways in which you um mentor and yeah yeah like like like, like in know, like in, uh, yeah in the interview facilitate growth and promotional opportunities for your a hundred percent like a question could be you know, walk me through, you just named all of them, but like walk me through, you know, from your perspective as a supervisor, how important is it for you to have, uh, to give in, to give recognition? And can you give me an example of, of that moment? And then they can maybe, they may be able to make something up on the spot. And then you could say, and, and how consistent is that? And if I, as your next employee potentially were to tell you that, the way that you gave me that recognition, I didn't appreciate. I would like something different. Um, what would you say? What's your reaction to that? You know, you again, the whole exercise is is asking them questions around what they currently do, what they will be open to do, what they would be open to changing and adjusting. But and, you said organizations don't change. Well, they don't typically but if someone in that moment, like if someone in that moment, for example, were to give you an answer where they say, well, I would be open to changing based off of things that happened recently where I'm realizing that my style as a leader needs to be a bit different in a new world today. I may believe that person a little bit differently than looking at their body language and telling that they're kind of BSing and coming up with a story because mm-hmm. it shows you that they're learning from their mistakes in the past. Right. So. I, I think organi- people change when they've experienced enough pain, right? So leaders change, people change, organizations change when they've dealt with enough negativity. Organizations and people typically don't change if what they're doing is, to their, from their perspective, working relatively well. Um, but but let, me, let me do this. I'm looking at the clock here. Every every other category here, what I want you to do is I want to, I'm going to send you a blank version of this that's going to give you, um, it's going to ask you to highlight your non-negotiables and your mini non-negotiables. The goal of today was to go through about nine of these, which we did, which will give you a kind of a an understanding of how your brain should be working as you think through these. So go through the rest of these and think. Again, think about my definition of a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Remember to highlight some of the little mini ones. Like maybe as you read back in your notes and you're saying, you know what? 
this section, like, for example, like day-to-day culture needs, maybe you're like, you know what? Maybe day-to-day culture needs isn't an objective non-negotiable, but maybe there are certain little tiny areas that are non-negotiables that I want to lock in on. Um, do well, like, for example, if you go back, it's like, you know, I get, I, one of the things about the, this last work environment is like no budget for conferences, education, yeah, exactly. that kind of thing. I would like, 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 what do you, what do you make available, you know, for ongoing, you know, you know, you know continuing quality improvement and exactly. Yeah, yeah, education. And, and like even going up here to show you as an example, like like the manager communication style and your ideal workflow, maybe these two sections weren't complete non-negotiables, but I know based off of things we talked about, there were a couple nuances in here that you were like, yeah, maybe this whole section isn't a major non-negotiable, but there are a couple things that I want to pull out that I know I do need to have connected to idea workflow desires and things of that nature. Um, put that on the sheet that I'm going to send you. And then the next session, what we're going to do is we're going to look over your non-negotiables, your mini non-negotiables, and then we're, we're going to start to get into how you can articulate and ask questions in the interview to kind of hear and get feedback from your, uh, your, your future employer during the interview. Perfect. Okay. But we wanted to go through about nine. So, you, you you got an understanding of how to start thinking about these categories and how to start kind of wrapping your head around what is a non-negotiable, what's not a non-negotiable, what are some mini variables in here I can pull out. Um, and hopefully going through nine of these kind of has your brain kind of in that mode. Also, what I can say, if you want to write this down, as you go through the rest of these, if there's any questions that you know you want to ask for for clarification and some of these categories, bring those notes and those questions to the next session as well. But just, just before I let you go, it's yeah. like, you know, like, you know, again, I, I have this idea, I'm a, you know, I'm a country. What's going on, guys? AJ here. So I'm looking to do another test run of my weekend, weekdays at Bernie's talk and speech. Um, for those that know, I think I've done, I think I've done two of these already where I've decided to pretty much go through a test run. Um, jump on, jump on the mic here, share some thoughts, some perspectives, um, and do it. I think in the format that I want to try to speak, um, the format that I want to try to speak like, or at, at the, at the overall event, um, and just get my cadence down, get my timing down, um, get my examples down and just see how, see how natural it is. So this part will probably be the very last part. It'll probably be about 20. I'm going to try to make it 15 to 20 different minutes. Um, and this will be, yeah, this will be the last part that I do. And, and then I cut out into, um, I cut out into, uh, into a, um, cut out into Q and a, uh, and, and then make a little bit more conversational. But so, and actually I might do Q and a, make it conversational after each part, frankly. Um, so that's actually something I've been, I've been noodling on with my, um, with my fiance, cause she'll be, she'll be there with me as well. But, um, this inevitable section is going to be titled uh, the importance of psychological safety when, uh, when forming high performing teams. So this is essentially how it'll go. So with this last section, I'm excited to cover the importance of psychological safety when forming high performing teams. Someone like me in my career, I always think about number one, high performing teams due to my background, right? Um, as you heard in my intro, I, I spent some time at the D1 level, the high, um, 
the, the top tier D3 level. Um, I played for Wesley, Wesley College and I played for West Virginia. And with those teams and with those opportunities, and obviously being at a pretty high level throughout high school um, and even some professional once I left the university, I really understood the importance and the infrastructure of a high-performing team from a sports perspective. Now, you know, at the time, I, I don't think I did a lot of uh, of the research that I've done now to kind of couple that that instinctual perspective of kind of being involved with those teams for a while. But now, kind of with my with my my old age and and with um, some studying and, and some more experiences, I, I have a perspective of the importance, the key, the 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 elements of psychological safety that you must lock in on when trying to create um, high performing teams and frankly trying to manage high performing teams. I think the very first thing that's not even on the bullet points of things that I want to cover that I just literally ad hoc thought about right now is, you know, with high performing teams, you have to take in consideration the fact that you are dealing with a level talent from a perspective where you have to really manage that talent individually. I look at, you know, I, you look at, let's go back to sports for a moment. You look at and you look at the, the 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 Warriors right now, right, and what they're doing. Steve Kerr has to be very thoughtful around how he manages and supports and understands Steph Curry. Then he has to do a completely different scenario with Draymond. Then he has to have a completely different relationship with Andrew Wiggins. Then he has to have a completely different relationship with um, with Jordan Poole. He has to contextualize that experience one by one by one. And what you have to realize is when you're a high-performing team, you're dealing with A-level, high-quality talent, right? You're dealing with top-tier talent. And with, with top-tier talent and with top-tier opportunities comes top-tier issues, comes top-tier complexities, comes desires, comes ego, comes all these different variables that you have to really take into consideration and remember. I think it's, I think it's harder, I think it's easier dealing with a, a team that is not as talented naturally or skill-wise and trying to inevitably get them to a higher level than it is to take a group of really high, really skilled, really engaged folks and put them into a situation where they're working together cohesively and building psychological trust with each other. So that's just one kind of ad hoc perspective. But getting into these bullet points, the first thing I'm going to cover is embracing the discomfort, you know, from the from the angle of supporting diverse talent with diverse backgrounds, communication styles. The leaders of high-performing teams must understand that their communication style is not God, is not law, right? And I've made this mistake. I make the, I actually make this mistake constantly, constantly uh, in my relationship today. I tend to think that my fiance, I, I like to believe at times, which is not good, that my communication style, my speed of a communication and processing of that information needs to be the exact speed and processing of her. And that's not empathetic, that is not kind, that is not polite, that is actually not even intelligent. Like, like at a pure psychological level and frankly common sense level, how can you assume that your communication style, your processing of information speed will be identical to a completely different human being? That is objectively not, not even a, a logical frame of mind. Yet, Myself included, we make these mistakes, whether it's in our intimate relationships, whether it's a sports team, whether it's a team within your organization that you're running, we make these, we, we make these, we, we forget that <laughs> the reality is these are completely different human beings. So that's just number one. Number two, 
the communication styles and preferences. And what I mean by that, let me define that because I think a lot of people have gotten confused. There are moments where I'm literally talking about communication, like giving feedback, that style, um, the way you like to structure your meetings, um, the way you like to literally communicate new ideas or perspectives or hold people accountable, um, the way that you literally communicate via email, your internal communication strategy as a leader, um, the, the amount of information that you provide contextually when generating or working with folks from an ideation perspective or, or a workflow perspective. Um, I think everyone had, you know, the moments where you are a little bit brash, you are a little bit rude, you are a little bit impolite. Everyone has a communication style that we have to take ownership of. And it's important for a leader to be very self-aware of what that communication style is and how that shows up. Right. And, and, and frankly, how do we support diverse talent and, and, and understand and build in modes and ways of thinking and infrastructure where we understand their own communication style and preferences? You know, I have a company called Beyond Resume, and I'm a huge proponent of trying to find a way to take Beyond Resume internal. Beyond Resume at a high level, what we do is we understand, we help high-level talent and job seekers understand who they are operationally. And communication styles and preferences are one of those factors, right? For example, with me, I know my communication style when it comes to a workflow is I'm much of a, hey, let's collaborate to get to like a 30%. Actually, let me individually do something to get it to a 30%. Let's back up for a moment, get everyone together, get it to like 60 or 70%. Let me take it from 60 or 70 to 80 or 90, then get everyone else together to, to finish it off. That's my workflow slash communication style from that perspective. I know I'm very brash and honest and direct, but incredibly empathetic. I know I go on long-winded rants where I'm giving a lot of context. Someone has to be okay with that. So those are examples of my communication style and how that shows up. And that's very different. And so it's important to, to help really key players that are living within diverse teams understand for themselves what their communication style is so they can articulate it and hold people accountable. How can you have anyone hold you accountable or how can you expect someone to give you what you're looking for if you don't explain to them and articulate at a deep level what it is that you are looking for and what you need and what your preferences are? And so I believe that going back to the Beyond Resume uh, brand, I believe it is important to teach leaders how to extract this information, how to understand at a deep level what is Susan's communication styles and preferences. How can I have a Google Doc? How can I have a Asana, a Dash? How can I have some sort of information that I go to that tells me exactly what their communication style and preferences are? I know of a leader right now that does one-on-one meetings every month, and there's an ongoing document that he, he has and connected at the very top of each document. It has the name, their title, um, their current struggles, or their last struggles from the previous meeting, communication communication styles and preferences, desires from a benefit perspective. They have a whole list of things that they inevitably just need to remember and lock in on. And I think that's very smart and 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 uh, and a great idea operationally because it puts you in a situation where it's a part of what you need to do to get the job done versus a nice to have or something you remember to do. So that's number one, embracing discomfort, supporting diverse talent around understanding and having them get educated around their communication style. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be the most comfortable thing in the world. There's going to be some discomfort there. It's going to be some uncomfortability there. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a weird feeling at times, right? Because you... And let's go even to another thing to wrap up this segment. You have to remember, look at your friends right now. 
Go back to your time at university. Look at the people in your relationships right now, your friend, your family and friends, rather, that you have the greatest relationships with. Your communication style and your own ability to deal with discomfort are probably one or two things. Either the communication style is very similar or B, you have tre- tremendous amounts of empathy and passion for each other that you that you appreciate their style. You've understood their style and now you know what to expect from them and you don't judge or you don't clash. There's a third probably set of human beings in your world where your communication styles are completely opposite. They don't complement each other and you both don't have high levels of empathy for each other. Thus, you get nowhere. And so I think the number one thing before we move on is every single leader needs to understand and embrace the discomfort of their individual communication style of their team members. And what does that look like and calculate and grab that data? The second thing, learn from each other, learn from your teammates individually around what is going to create and allow them to perform at a high level from a psychological safety perspective. So again, imagine your team player. I know right now if I were to join, actually, I am in the process of looking for another job. So if I was in the process of looking for a job, which I am, I already know right now what a team leader could do, a department could do to make me psychologically safe and make me feel like I have enough information, enough of my head wrapped around what I'm getting involved in to perform well. I already have my thoughts on my communication needs, my internal comm needs, my workflow needs, what you need to know about me, what I need to know about you, how I work with you, understand how you want to work with me, um, give you my values, my perspectives on the deliverables and the ROIs and the KPIs of my role, um, You know, set up a cadence where we understand how to give each other positive and candid and negative feedback. I, I have thoughts around how we can do that, right? How we can create those psychological safety channels, if you will, so that we can all perform at a high level. So it's incredibly important that each team member learns at an individual level how to create safety, how to allow and support each person to live and to perform and to work at a very, very high level. So I'm going to put a pause there. I'm looking at, I'm actually making great time. This is about 12 minutes in. I have three more bullet points for this. So I would have easily got to 20 or 25 minutes. Um, But I honestly, this was a test run, but I really did the test run so that you guys could learn. The two things that I locked in on today connected to psychological safety, high-performing teams, the examples that I gave, it's something to really pay attention to. And I think we all should, yeah, just fucking pay attention to it. So um, I love you. Thank you. And uh, I think there's a lot of good here. And uh, there's definitely some things to to, kind of lock in on and get excited about. Thanks a lot.